You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I can't stand them. And anything they do, I don't care. Official 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. Well, hello. Welcome back. It is the Soonerscoop.com podcast. Well, I turned that off uh, really quickly, that uh, music there. Uh, welcome back, Carrie Murdoch, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosovich here with you on another edition of the Unofficial 40. We're coming off of a, a weekend. It is uh, We are podcasting on February the uh, what is it, 18th, 19th, President's Day, whatever that means. If you got off for President's Day, good for you, because it's, not, it's a fake holiday. It's not real. We could, uh, do, do we need to like read President facts throughout the throughout the podcast uh like really horrible ones though like how many yeah i don't want to go no like not gonna be calvin coolidge syphilis stories and (laughs) stuff like that (laughs) that would be good yeah if you can come up with some of those feel free to throw them out throughout the program today okay i will so we're (laughs) i will look for those we're, we're coming up off of a weekend where uh my God, OU basketball is still going in the wrong direction. Eight of their last ten they've lost now. It was it was shocking to see how poorly they played on was Saturday. It? I mean, can you be shocked at this team at this point? I was a little shocked. Just for the fact that you would think, you know, when you're on a four-game losing streak, uh, you would think that you'd dive for balls on the floor, yeah. maybe show that you aren't the softest team in America. They do look like they quit. But they, I mean, halfway through the the second half it was it was completely over and uh i didn't blame baker mayfield for leaving early they showed up showed up late left early they shot 30 percent, 31 not quite 31 percent from the field uh eight of 30 from three 26.7 percent hell they only shot well they shot 81 percent from the free throw line they at least got there 22 times unlike uh kansas against west virginia (laughs) That was one of the uh, all-time post-game press conferences out of Bob Huggins on Saturday night. Here's the thing, though, Bob. I mean, West Virginia asked for a game. What was it, thirty-five to two? Was that the discrepancy? Right. West Virginia plays a game and where they literally foul every time. No, you come down the floor, and they, you know, the thing about it is, is Bob Huggins can go off about it, but they were still up ten with like eight and a half yeah, minutes they, left. They, they, they blew the it. fouls weren't what caused they them to just lose blew that it. game. They they suck on offense. Yeah, they they are not a very good offensive team. That's their they scored, problem. They scored twenty five points in Norman and still won in the second half. I know it's because OU sucks that bad. It's not good. So I know that uh, I was talking to Eddie about this yesterday. Like Lon Kruger is the worst coach to be going through a season like this because 
you want some type of satisfaction like you want you want you want heads to roll it's, you want answers to your questions it's what i go through daily with the thunder i want billy donovan to choke somebody out yeah and long kruger's just not gonna do that you think he's happy that they've lost no eight of ten and he's he's gonna be super nice in the press conference yeah. when you ask him <laughs> what's wrong with this team. Yeah, Why not, can't you guys do any better? He's not gonna throw anybody under the bus. He's he's always just like, well, we just gotta get back to practice. Like I would I would just say that Kadeem Latin's the softest person to ever play basketball at the University of Oklahoma. Man. It's just not gonna happen. You know how bizarre it is when they start telling stories about uh, his his grandfather, like during the games, and you're just <laughs> yeah. like. Really, he came from that. His his grandfather not be happy about this. Here's uh, around, here is the fired up Lon Kruger in his opening statements after the uh, loss to Texas this weekend. It was a ball game where uh, I thought Texas, uh, you know, you know, had more pop from the start. I thought they dictated in the first half. Uh, you know, we tried to make a little run there in the second half. Couldn't quite get back over the hump, fighting uphill. It seemed all day, and uh, you know, Texas did a good job. They did a really good job. Uh, we didn't make shots. Uh, you know, you don't make shots, you know, you don't quite have the same, you know, energy on the boards, energy defensively. Uh, you, you wish that weren't the case, but that's pretty much the way it works. So we got, uh, we got to get back to work, though. We got a lot of work to do, a lot of areas in which to improve. Uh, not exactly. We, you know, we got to jerk people out of the game. We got to replace people. We're going to sit all our starters, which I think is about the only thing that would make people happy at this point. Yeah, the... It's not good news either when you're on a five-game losing streak and you've lost eight of ten. Uh, and congratulations, you get a big Monday date with uh, Kansas tonight in Lawrence. So good luck. It's going to need a a performance for, of the ages for Trey Young. I carry. I I don't know. I I think it's kind of an excuse that everybody's falling back on this idea that Trey is just tired now. I know it's been a long season. Unlike anything that he's ever gone up against in, in, in high school and everything like that. But it kind of bugs me that it's just become this, oh, well, Trey's just tired now. Let's uh, let's play Lon Kruger's response to whether or not, not just Trey Young, but uh, Brady Manick might have hit the wall, the freshman wall. It's hard to measure, of course. Uh, you know, when you just look at results, uh, it's easy to kind of come to that conclusion. But uh, they, they both seem... Seem fresh, energized. Uh, you know, Trey, of course, got a lot on his plate, and uh, we expect a lot of him, and and load him up pretty good. Uh, you know, defenses are targeting him, so you can understand uh, that it'd probably be nice to get him a few more breaks. You know, during the course of a ball game, but uh, don't have a lot of luxury there. And uh, and he'll keep battling. There's no question about that. Uh, he's uh, very competitive, and uh, no doubt, uh, you know, they'll all keep working at it. To be fair, he plays him a lot. Like, no, he plays a ton. You play a lot of minutes. He so, plays a ton. And you're thin of frame. I mean, I don't What would you guess that, Josh, let's bring you in on this, the expert of seeing someone without seeing them. What would you guess, carnival guy, weight guesser guy, what would you <laughs> guess that Trey Young actually weighs? They list him at 6'2", oh. 180. No way. No. <clears throat> if he... It wouldn't shock me if he's a hell of a lot closer to 150 than he is 180. I bet you're right. Like, if he's 162, it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, he's got to be hovered in the 160s somewhere. Yep, yep. Uh, and especially, I mean, you know, like, and we can say, you know, oh, he's not tired, oh, he's fine. But you're just going to lose weight during the season. So I swear, I bet you looked at him in December and looked at him now. He probably looks leaner, and we just don't recognize it. Like, he's... He's a little dude. This was always going to be an issue. 
And that's why all the Steph Curry stuff is, is kind of funny. Steph Curry's 6'3". Like, he's a bigger guy than Trey, so... Yeah, but he was still... Uh, I mean, when he's a freshman in college, he was like this. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I just mean, like, from a frame standpoint. Like, there was more substance to, to uh, Steph than Trey. What's interesting to me, guys, is... Is this possibly good news for Oklahoma? Is there any way this starts to open the conversation of Trey Young coming back? No. You don't think? I think that that the horse uh, has left the barn. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. I don't. I mean, I think that it, it should probably be brought up, but I think that decision's already been made. You're probably you're right, and I couldn't fault him. I mean, the guy's going to be a top ten pick. Like, there, there's no blame in that. But it's just some of his deficiencies are becoming. Like, it's harder to focus on, like, oh, he was so great against XYZ in January and ignoring where he is now. Well, I mean, I, the, I mean, the thing about the frame, too, is this, Eddie, like, he is he has not been for over a month. He has not been a uh, a three-point shooter. And not, not just percentage-wise, but he is forced to take the ball and, and drive the lane. And this has been going on for a month and a half now. So you're talking about... I put some credence into the wearing down thing because yeah. he is spending the majority of his time driving into the lane just getting clobbered. Yeah, he is. And he's. it doesn't seem like he's – And I hate to be that guy, but it, he's not getting a lot of foul calls in the lane. It seems like he's not at least. No. It, it, but or, when you don't weigh very much, yeah, it's kind of hard to know when – it's kind of like, I don't know. I, guess, I think it's also deflating too when he drives in the lane and then he makes a – great pass and it gets dribbled out of bounds oh, yeah. or somebody doesn't catch it miss a corner three i mean the the setback that christian doolittle has had this year and then kadeem latin usually is in foul trouble you don't get much out of him it's been bad they i i hate to be the guy that they, he doesn't have anybody around him but it is very glaring when christian james and everybody else goes what were they on saturday like six for 27 i think that's i i don't follow exactly this right. team enough to make this statement but just from afar, it's really weird that as Christian Doolittle came back, this team seemed to get worse. Yeah. Now I don't think there's Magusti any correlation really. Like maybe, maybe it's something mental. Maybe they can't figure out how the rotations are going to work. Like I, I can understand some of that stuff, but I don't think that's a direct link. But it's funny that it's almost the exact time period. There was, by the way, right on seven of twenty-six is what those two were. It was that's so bad. It, I think. Saturday, and I don't think that there's a big problem. I don't think that there's uh, a lot of problems behind closed doors, but when you go through a stretch like they're on right now, it's hard to, there is not a lot of positives when you look over at that bench. There's a lot of long faces, a lot of people that, you know, it, it's only, I think it's only natural for people to think, does the rest of the team hate Trey Young? Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I think that's the only way to put it. And when you look at his last five games, this is what Young has done. Uh, he's gone 2 of 14, 4 of 10, 1 of 8, 0 of 9, 3 of 10 from behind the arc. Those, yeah, those are but, not numbers. Yeah, but, but but when he throws the ball to other people and the, t the two other best players go 7 of 26, oh, what no. are you supposed to do? No, he could go 1 of 50. Yeah. I'm still saying I want him shooting yeah. the ball. Uh, well, you wait for Trey Young to kind of come out and say, I'm frustrated, this hurts. I guess he kind of did that Saturday after the game in, in a way. Uh, he's trying to stay positive, but you can tell just by this answer that it's definitely getting to Cringeworthy. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, when you win a game in the Big 12, uh, that's, that's big. I mean, this is, like I said, the toughest conference in, in America. 
um, I'm getting guarded like nobody else in the country is being guarded, um, scouted on like no one else in the country is. So uh, it's a mystery coming out each and every game, <coughs> trying to figure out how a team's going to guard me and how I'm going to dictate and help my team win. So uh, I mean, it's just it's a process. I mean, it's a process, and right now it's um, it's tough. I know. No one likes losing, especially us. We're very competitive coaches, honest about being competitive, and uh, I mean, just taking it game by game. And uh, tonight, we just didn't knock down shots, and that was the case tonight. Cringeworthy. Not the. Not the not the answer that I think that I wanted to hear, but I guess it's not the the end of the world. There's a lot bigger things going on, like losing eight of ten. I mean, it's a kid that it's the it's th- a kid that's that's probably the bottom line. It's a kid that doesn't have any answers. That's never been through anything like this before. That's never struggled like this. Yeah, on a basketball court, it's a coach that really doesn't have any answers because the answers are we need to, he needs to be on a better team. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably it. And I mean, it does it it. it you know, OU's after all these guys now because they've gotten all this attention, all this exposure, five-star guys, but every other coach in the country is going to be like, don't do what Trey Young did. Do you see what happened to Trey Young? Yeah. He was one of the best players in the country. He went to a program that wasn't any good, and it made him worse. It's a, it's a very – there are going to be studies done about the Trey Young, quote-unquote, Trey Young effect and everything that has gone into the last – four months Trey Young a case study it I seriously like it just it it is the strangest thing like I've even at times been like I I don't want to hear about Trey Young anymore and I'll just turn off yeah it's it's been too much it's been way too much and they've I I don't think that the I think it's gone into a little bit into what how poorly they've played just as far as just the mental side of it I don't think that ESPN is directly responsible for the losses but Here's the thing that's going to be the biggest pile of bullshit that's ever happened is uh, ESPN has used him as their poster boy to sell all of their games on TV, and now their analysts are going to be getting together and just shitting on Trey Young for not handling the pressure. It's going to happen. It's coming. Probably. Probably. And maybe it won't be. Maybe it won't be Seth Greenberg or Jay Billis. It'll be Stephen A. Smith or Will Kane or somebody. Dan Stephen A. already kind of started in on yeah. thinking he was, didn't, didn't understand what all the hype was about yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I don't think his comments were that out of line or anything. It wasn't anything crazy, but I mean, he it seemed like he started to kind of move in that direction. And like um, ESPN, ESPN, you are very much responsible for the FU Trey Young chance. Oh, yeah. Well, and the other half of that is just the general population. Yeah, Texas Tech. (laughs) It's like, okay, this game is actually in Lubbock now. We're good. Okay, it's time for us to be assholes now. And you know what? I think this kind of goes into a little bit of why OU is such a soft basketball team. But the FU Trey Young Trent don't have a problem with it. Of course you don't. We have to bleep out your Fs all the time. I, I just, I don't think it's that, I think it's kind of funny, actually. Like, I think co- more college. But his dad is there. His dad was a hero for you. I mean. They weren't, he wasn't a hero. I mean, he, he had one he of was, their best. He, that's true. Games in the history of that school. That's true. But 
we need more of that. We need more of it at the high school no, level. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Eddie, are you going to be the guy that, like, someday when you have a little boy, you're going to be screaming at the peewee basketball, like, referees, like, throwing stuff? Yes, no. because he's, he's put in the time of being a ref. He's put up with some really horrible stuff in his in his life. No, but they will, they will be on a competitive team. We're not yeah. playing at the Y. I'll tell you that. <laughs> We're not doing community rec league soccer. I think there. I think you do that. No until scores a are being like, kept. I think twelve is when you turn it up. Twelve or thirteen. That's when you. I think that's make fair. your kid cry for looking at a, thir- a third strike. Oh yeah, you gotta get the bat off your shoulder. If you three putt. Yeah, that's you're just probably there, ready to scream at him. My my lifelong dream is to take the first uh, little league team from Oklahoma City to Williamsport. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not to be Earl Woods. Uh, it might be at some point. Yeah, you probably need to. We'll probably be we to need the... to get the Chamberlain thing going again, so you have a chance of at least having someone athletic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In your did you in your family? Uh, <laughs> do you need by a chance? And just maybe think about this. Did anybody see the HBO Real Sports uh, segment about the St. Browns? No, I saw the one about the the I Olympic did. Committee. His, that guy is insane. Oh, wait, no, yeah, 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 you're talking about the kid that went to USC. Yeah, yep. and his brothers. Yeah, he's quietly insane. Yeah, like, like, he's the LeVar Ball. I actually think he might he be like, more insane than LeVar. He specifically married a woman that had <laughs> yes. athletic genes. Yes. Like, I don't know that LeVar Ball was thinking that far ahead. It, I don't know. There How was, does she feel? Uh, oh, l- I don't listen, think you're she, like a horse. You're it, like a thoroughbred. Yeah. I don't think she does very you. many very much like thinking for herself it seemed like even though they said that she takes care of the I don't know if academic you're really, side but if you're it. a really good athlete in college and you're driven and in you you i mean it's just like some girls want to marry guys with money i, yep. I maybe i want to marry a guy that has great athletic genes I, I had a good buddy and that was always his thing he was like i'm gonna marry a track star like so my kids are gonna be you know, big and fast. You know, the whole like it was his whole thing. So Trey Millard married a track star. They're they're having babies now. I, they're, I'm not Very saying smart. That, I'm not saying that they did it for. I didn't ask if they did it so they'd be athletic. Do Do we know their graduating class? I can put them <laughs> on my list early so I can be ready. I think four weeks ago is when they had it. So. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking. Oh, okay. you got plenty yeah. of time. Yeah. You got yeah, plenty of time. Yeah. I'll uh I'll, I'll work on a phone number here for too long. We'll start working on the contacts and you know. When they walk and that kind of stuff. I don't. I didn't ask girl or boy though. I should have done that. I think it was. I think it's a boy. Is it a boy? If I remember right, yeah. Because okay. I remember he like made a Twitter announcement about you okay. know, welcome to the family or whatever. I highly suggest she's people very see tall. That, I think she's taller than he is. We could be talking QB. Oh, like it with mobility. Really like it. It's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What was it? What's the kid's name? Amon Ra or something? Yeah, Amon yeah. Ra. There's and he is Amon Ra. And he is unbelievable. They changed the last name from just Brown to Saint Brown. Like yeah, they yep. added the Saint Brown. And then they and have his last name is still Brown, and he spent the special dogging on how boring the name Brown is. I I suggest everybody go see it. It's a. It's I've a always very felt this way though. Like like there are there are you know white Smiths and stuff in the world, but. I totally am for a black person that wants to change their name from like, you know, the he termed it the slave master names or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I've seen people change their last names for worse. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't have any, No, I have no. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I don't. I, very the, awkward. Guys, this is something I read in a book. Yeah, this three is an awkward conversation with three white guys. <laughs> but I will say something I didn't know, and I, I don't like. I'm going to throw in a little history here. I was reading. I, I I'm a crazy reader, and I like history books and that kind of stuff. It never occurred to me why there are so many black guys with the last name or girls, whatever, just black people with the last name Washington, Lincoln, um, Sherman, that kind of stuff. And it was because after the Civil War, they could take their own names and they named themselves after the either famous historical figures or that, Abraham Lincoln or Sherman burning his way through the South. You know, yeah, people that that, that, that contributed to ending slavery. Exactly. Like, it, I mean, it's obvious, but it never occurred to me. And I was like, wow, that's that's kind of an amazing little thing. But sorry, completely. I, the only time I'll ever be able to use that factoid on the pod. No, so I wanted to run we, with it. That's why we do a podcast so we can talk about random shit that we know. <laughs> that was your history lesson for the afternoon. That is. All that right. Is. Uh, one other thing that did happen at the basketball game was Baker Mayfield showed up who uh, wanted to come to the basketball game and just happened to be a big junior day weekend. Baker just happened to wind up over at the football facilities talking to the rec recruits, and uh, here's Baker on recruiting and the future of the football program. You know, I want to see this program and this, you know, this university succeed and everything. Uh, so it's exciting to see the recruits are getting now. Um, got a Lake Travis guy here uh, today, so I'm proud of that one. Uh, but no, that... People ask me how they're going to be next year, and there's not going to be a drop off at all. Uh, people are worried, but that's they're focusing on the wrong things. We got we got the talent, we got the coaches, we got the best coach in the country, uh, and they're they're bringing in the right recruits, right guys, and so um, they're they're going to be very good in the next couple of years. Uh, Garrett Wilson was the kid that he was talking about, the Lake Travis wide receiver who we we had him coming in, then he wasn't coming in, then he came in, uh, but uh, a big receiver haul that came in on junior day. Trajan Bridges, one of the guys that was in. Uh, but Josh, uh, let's talk about Oklahoma's recruiting weekend. They do end up picking up a commitment uh, from a 29 defensive lineman as well. Yeah, and luckily one of these guys that living in Houston I get to go see here in the next you know few weeks. I'm going to go see him, just, probably do some workouts, go over a spring ball. I uh, wish you were in the middle of it, Josh. Yeah, you know, I said it. I was like, loop. you two were going to take the bait. I knew you two would <laughs> go there. That was not the intention, but it's fair. fair it was, fair it was my intention because that was the dumbest thing that's ever been wrote on the board. Well, I think yeah. I've unbanned Nate for maybe this, maybe next tomorrow, maybe, maybe today. It'll only know. be a matter of time before he's you banned get banned again. for a week for dumb posts like that. <laughs> anyway. uh no, the the receiver group, obviously a huge part of the equation. I haven't talked to Garrett Wilson yet, but everybody I've spoken to kind of about his trip sounds like things went very well. I know I uh, just talked to Jason Sukamel from our Texas site who told me that Garrett is probably already going to set up his official visit to Oklahoma for the spring game. So that spring game visit weekend just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It, it's it's starting to look like there could be 10, 10 to 12 not just like guys OU likes, but really elite national recruits that could be there uh, for officials. Uh, the other guy there is the name that a lot of OU fans are familiar with, Theo Weiss. Uh, talked to Theo last night, and I really I, have, I haven't even had a chance to put this on the board yet. Um, speaking to him, there's been a lot of buzz about AM that he really loved his trip there a few weeks ago. The only official visit he knows he is going to take is Oklahoma. Like That's the only one he's got set up. Usually that means something. That's usually not just a fluky deal, especially 
when it's a school like Oklahoma that he's already seen a bunch of times. He doesn't have to take that official visit. And when you look at who else he's taking his officials to, I think it was Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and I'm going to forget the fourth one. But it wasn't it wasn't Texas. It wasn't A&M. It wasn't any of the other local schools that he's seen a bunch. So I think that's really kind of interesting to see if that means something, if that tells you something. But just speaking to him, I, I really got the impression that if he picked today, Oklahoma would still be the choice. So a lot of the teeth gnashing and worrying, and this is stuff we talked about on the board. The A&M buzz was huge over the last few weeks because it's a new staff and they're getting to sell all these things they're going to do and what they're going to be, and all the guys can buy into it and get excited about it. And then as guys get away from campus and they're not there, things start to calm down a little bit and they can go back and they can talk to OU and UT and LSU and every other major program that recruits Texas and it just starts to temper a little bit. I think that's what you're starting to see. Don't get me wrong. Jimbo Fisher, Tim Brewster, those guys are going to bring in plenty of recruits to A&M. That's a good staff and they know how to recruit. But I think Theo is a good indication. Things are starting to settle out to what we kind of knew them to be. How many how many receivers could they take in this? I mean, isn't that kind of a little bit of a crunch there? I mean, almost uh, you know, you got Theo Weiss involved. You know, you've got R.J. Henderson out there. Then you got Wilson. Then you got Bridges. that's already committed. I mean, my God, how many guys can you take? Well, I mean, and you look at it. Uh, you know, they lose Nick Basquin after this year, assuming you know they don't do anything as far as a medical hardship or anything like that. And really, I mean, the year after that, it's Marquise Brown. Obviously, that's a big loss, If even if Marquise doesn't go pro after this year. And A.D. Miller and Michael Jones. I mean, going into 2019, most of your primary receivers are going to be sophomores and below. So, that, I, like I said, I don't know how much they can take. But when you have a shot at this many good guys, I mean, Garrett Wilson's a take all day, every day. I think he's probably the best receiver in Texas. Uh, Theo Weiss, that's a no doubt. If... Theo is really, really good, but even if he, if I didn't like him as much as I do, his notoriety, being at the program he is, that's a take. You just have to take him, whether he wants to do it tomorrow or you know next February, whatever the case may be. So he's a definite guy. Uh, you got R.J. Henderson, Jaden Hazelwood's an absolute take, if for all no other reason than you went into Georgia's backyard and took the best player in the state of Georgia. So that's that that's that's a huge deal. So I I. Th- think they're looking at three but if you told me they had you know bridges wilson and weiss and and hazelwood wanted in they're taking hazelwood i mean they're, they're, that's just not a no doubt that's a guy that's in the class so I, I like i said i think it's a good problem to have where oklahoma may have to turn away someone who's pretty good for the chance at someone who's really good uh okay so josh tell us about uh, the commitment that OU got last night Corey robinson or Robert Robertson, yeah. Rob, Robertson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robertson, uh, defensive end from Manville, Texas. He's a guy that I kind of knew his name uh, during the season, but Manville for the first time ever really didn't have anybody that was involved with Oklahoma. So for the first time in years, I didn't see a Manville game here in Houston. I didn't even go to their spring practice, and I, he and I were talking about that a little bit last night. He didn't have a lot of buzz coming into the year, but he's about six four, two sixty. I know. Just talking to some sources, when Calvin Thibodeau went to see him a few weeks ago, he just got, he loved the kid. I mean, he was a guy that OU put very high on their list almost immediately. And I know people kind of look at his offer list and say, "Oh, I don't, you know, that doesn't excite me." That kind of thing. 
I know talking to people that I trust, there's an expectation there'll be a move for him kind of like there was Ronnie Perkins. Because a lot of people forget when OU offered Ronnie Perkins last year, he was a three-star guy from St. Louis that no one, you know, I mean, not no one, but wasn't overly well-known, ended up a borderline Rivals 100 guy. So I think Oklahoma feels this is going to be a similar situation where he's going to become a big-known guy. And you watch his tape, and you can see what Oklahoma likes. He's a big-bodied guy. He really fits their defensive end, what they want to do with those guys being 280, 290 pounds because he's 260, 265 now. And you go back and watch that game he played against Highland Park where he's chasing uh, Jerry uh, – was it not John Paul Jones? Uh, um, John David Jones? the Jerry Jones's kid for oh, Highland, yeah, Highland Park yeah. quarterback. Uh, uh, that was the guy that – the reason Jones got to make all the crazy plays running around, running for his life, is because Corey Roberson was chasing him all over the field. And that – and contrary to popular belief, he actually got there a few times. So, I mean, th- this is a big athlete that can move his feet. I think at times he plays a little high. You can fix that. I think he's maybe just a touch stiff, but it's it's nothing. Like I said, the knocks on him are very small in my opinion. And I don't understand, frankly, why he doesn't already have 15 or 20 offers at a program like Manville in the Houston area that's a, you know, last like I said, last year state finalist always deep runs into the playoffs. They're 10, 11, 12 win team. Just, you know, you can set your clock by it. So they are a big time program. And I think this helps Oklahoma because for all the years they've recruited at Manville, this is only the second guy they've ever landed from that program. The other being Austin Bennett, who obviously didn't do much, but with the kind of talent they produce year after year after year, you want to have a good relationship there. John Stephen Jones is there we go. We're thinking of. John Paul Jones, I was, I was, uh, you know, pushing off my uh, Led Zeppelin fandom there. I guess. Uh, here's a good question uh, for you, Josh. How much recruiting is Spencer Rattler doing to these receivers at this point, if any? Oh, I, I think he's doing quite a bit. I mean, he's a guy that I know. Every time I talk to him, he's. He's very present in what's going on. You know, there's no like, oh, I don't know that guy that well. If I, if you know, if we're talking about somebody and it's a guy that's relevant in Oklahoma recruiting, like I guarantee he's talked to Garrett Wilson. Obviously, he's talked to Theo a ton. He is a very, he's a guy that you know. I was talking to him just a few weeks ago, and it, after being burned by Cam Rising, I like, I feel like I take Spencer's temperature a lot. You know, I'm like, so what's what's going on, Spencer? You. You feeling good? He's like, man, I want to be at OU tomorrow. Like, I don't even know that I want to – like, and he's got a chance to win a state championship this year in Arizona, and all he wants to do is be in Norman and start competing for the starting job. So uh, he is a guy, like I said, that I know is constantly working. He's constantly involved. And I just think that he is going to be one of those guys that this year is going to blow up, and I think it will only help Oklahoma. It won't shock me at all if Spencer Rattler graduates as a five-star and is a top 20 guy in the country. Because when you t- talk to people, the only knock anyone can find on him is that he's not six foot four. Everything else, I mean, he's got one of the best arms in the country. He's an incredible athlete. There's everything to like about Spencer Rattler. And I, uh, I, I just think he's one of those guys that as his name continues to grow, it'll get bigger than, oh, he can help you in California, or he can help you in Phoenix. This is a guy that's going to be able to make an impact nationally with receiver recruits and everybody else that understands a class is only going to be as good as its quarterback. Anything else that really stood out? Uh, 
kind of the early uh, findings from either you or Bob about uh, Junior Day? Oh, uh, you know, probably, and I guess we kind of, glo- you, you know, you mentioned it, Carrie. Um, uh, Garrett Wilson showing up, that's a big deal for Oklahoma. Uh, like I said, I think he is probably the best receiver in Texas and really um, hasn't gotten his due quite yet. But I think as he hits the camp circuit this spring, that'll change. I think he'll end up as a top 50 guy in the country. I, I like Garrett Wilson a lot. Um, the other being Oklahoma issued another in-state offer, uh, Javian Hester, the 2020 receiver from Booker T, a uh, guy I had a chance to see in the state, uh, not state, yeah, state championship game, uh, to, uh, in early December against, uh, Bixby. He is a guy that, uh, God, nope, nope, nope. It was state semifinals and it was against, uh, Midwest. God, no, I'm going to get there. It was Booker T and Lawton. There we go. I am back in the conversation what the now. the second kid does to you. Woo! Yo, yeah. Yeah, we were me, – me and her had some words last night. So we can get into that story a little later. But, um, no, he is a 6'2", 6'3", big, long, lean, wide receiver, I, I really smooth guy. I, you know, already has an Ohio State offer as Ohio State kind of continues to try and build – some relationship and obviously a big part of them offering him was to continue the relationship with Dax Hill. Oklahoma now gets that same benefit where I I think this is a guy that Dax is going to recognize, you know, I want to play with this guy. I know this guy, these things help. Now it's not going to be a deciding factor, but it definitely helps. And you're building that relationship, not just with Dax, but with Booker T itself where Oklahoma really, Hasn't had a presence much at all other than Dominique Alexander for like the last decade. So I, I think that starts to mend, not, I don't know if mend the fence is the right thing, but it just continues, like I said, to kind of open communication between the staff there at Booker T in Oklahoma. Uh, any, any, what was the biggest disappointment? Maybe a, a guy not showing that, you know, really, I don't know, not, not put Oklahoma behind but were, were there any guys that you just like you know, Oklahoma really it, it hurt Oklahoma not getting this guy or that guy in oh I don't think there's any question you know for all the advantage of Corey Roberson coming up and landing that commitment from a Houston defensive lineman the flip side is that Marcus Stripling didn't come up the rivals 100 defensive lineman from Katy uh the Katy area Mady Creek High School uh, a guy that I know has been very high on Oklahoma has stayed in constant contact there was some real indication not long ago that he was really, really high on Oklahoma, maybe considering a decision. And I think then took a Texas A&M trip, and I think they got into his ear. I know he. it was reported he's going, we went to Texas this weekend instead of Oklahoma. It's. I don't think it, people people are going to read into it, oh, he prefers Texas. Well, no, it's, it's just a much easier trip from Houston to Austin than yeah. it is from Houston to Oklahoma City. That's just That's the reality of the situation. But I do think... It's given him some pause because when I've talked to him recently, it just sounds more like a guy that's kind of slowing things down, going to tap the brakes a little bit and going to ride things out for a little while longer. But I definitely think OU is right there with anybody else. I think he'll take an official visit maybe here in the spring and then we'll kind of see where things are at with him. But I, I think there's no question Oklahoma had started to lose a little bit of ground with him as far as letting other schools start to catch up with where I feel like they were. And I think this weekend was going to be a big chance for them to kind of regain that distance. And obviously that didn't happen. So that, that that's things Oklahoma a little bit. Um, I guess one other thing I did forget to mention is um, 
Oklahoma had a big contingent from Memphis, uh, Memphis, Tennessee this weekend. A bunch of guys from Whitehaven, which is really one of the marquee programs in the state of Tennessee. Actually, and I, I won't pretend that I knew the guys real well. Tyler Hunter, Melvin McBride, and Kevion Mullins. Uh, Mullins is a four-star wide receiver. McBride's a three-star offensive lineman from uh, that's got a South Carolina offer already. But the guy that really people should keep an eye on is 2020 linebacker Bryson Eason. I know talking to Woody Womack, he feels like that guy could be in the five-star conversation before too long. So for Oklahoma to get him on campus early, start to kind of build that relationship, that's a guy that Oklahoma is going to be all in on for a long time. Memphis is a kind of an interesting city and in just that I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Oklahoma's never, and I guess they did this past year with uh, Kendarius Robertson, but I'm a little surprised that OU's never really gone into Memphis and, and really tried to recruit it extremely hard. But I guess it also probably goes in the fact that there's a lot of factors that go into that. I think old Miss is usually go, goes Isn't that in. That's probably where a lot of the Mississippi Junior College system yeah. kind of preys on to, though. Yeah, I, I could see that. There's, you're going to run in, into, into Memphis. You're going to run into a lot of academic problems. I mean, there, there's going to be some of that going on. Obviously, Ole Miss has a really strong tie into Memphis. They recruit there a lot and have a lot of success. Um, but, Eddie, you're not wrong because, to me, like, and, and I guess. Kendarius uh, Taylor. I don't know why I said my, Robertson. Yeah. To, to continue my history uh, theme of this, this podcast, I'm a huge mafia guy. And the way <laughs> you would term that the mafia, it's an open city. There's nobody that runs it. There's no clear leader. It's kind of like St. Louis. Yeah. If for every reason that Missouri should own St. Louis, they don't. And so it's a, play, it's a reason why Ohio State can go in there, why Oklahoma went in there and landed two big-time defensive linemen. There's no one where you're like, well, if all things are equal, they're going to this school. You know, Kind of like Oklahoma used to be in Las Vegas. Oklahoma went in Las Vegas, they got their guy, and that's just kind of the way that was. That's obviously stopped. So I, I think now with Memphis, that's very much the same story. While Ole Miss has a good connection there, you can look for years, and there's guys that have gone all over the country from Memphis. Hell, a few years ago, there was a big-time offensive lineman out of there, and whose name is going to escape me, that Oklahoma really tried to get in on, and I think they even brought him in for an official that ended up signing with UCLA. I mean, from Memphis to UCLA, that's a that's more than a slight culture change. Um, but, yeah, so, I, like I said, I like it. I think it's smart, and especially if you're talking about Whitehaven, that it's one of those schools that's going to have Division One guys every single year. Somebody that uh, that was part of the, I don't know, I, I guess he really wasn't part of the junior day, Josh, but uh, you were able to catch up with uh, Rice grad transfer Calvin Anderson uh, Sunday evening upon his return to uh, to uh, to Houston. So where does Oklahoma, I mean, where do they stack up? Uh, he's down to four, uh, Michigan, Texas, Auburn, and Oklahoma, and it's uh, it certainly seems like Oklahoma made an impression this weekend. It, it really did, and I, and I was kind of – I thought Oklahoma was already going to be behind the eight ball a little bit because you always like being the last visit, but when it's a guy from Austin that's clear, made it clear that Texas is right there at the front for him, I, I just wondered if there was going to be a fit. And talking to him, and I should preface all of this, um, and I told you guys already, Calvin and I had meant to hook up at, a, at the airport and do an interview when he landed. That didn't work out for a variety of reasons. So we ended up meeting at a restaurant in Houston near his house, and we sat for about an hour and had a chance to talk and kind of catch up. And then we did the interview. And 
so there's a lot that he and I discussed that didn't end up on camera, obviously. But just talking to him, he is a, you know, you got, if anybody can see it in the interview. He's an incredibly smart kid. He knows what he's looking for. He knows what his plan is. And I kind of talked to him like, well, what's, what's the situation going to be? How, do you, how does it have to work as a grad transfer? What kind of load are you going to take as far as classes and that kind of thing? And he was like, well, you know, i got to figure that out. But it was very much like Jeff Bidette last year who was basically like, I'm going to take, you know, basket weaving or something. Like it, his – Calvin's answer was very much my focus for the next six, seven to nine months is about football. Like this – that's what this decision is going to come down to, what's best for my football career, what I can do from there because I've already got – I'm going to have the degree from Rice. I can go into the professional world if I want to, but this is going to be about football for me. And – when you mix that with the way he talked about Bill Biedenboe and how he he just sat, you know, when he and I were talking before the interview and he broke down getting to sit down and watch tape with with Bill and how that kind of just blew his mind because he goes, he's not talking about, okay, step here, this is what we're going to do here, this is our scheme here, this is how we want to attack. He was talking about, okay, this is how we're going to read the defensive lineman, this is how we know what they want to do to us, this is... And he goes, that's next level stuff. That's the stuff that prepares you for the NFL. Well, when you just got done saying your primary thought is what's going to prepare me for the NFL, it 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 makes a lot of sense. Now, I think it's going to come down to Oklahoma and Texas. I don't think either choice should be surprising to anyone. But I think Oklahoma absolutely has a chance here. And the way he shot down the talk of you know in-state or being close to home mattering to him, that doesn't. That has nothing to do with this guy's decision, and this is a guy that absolutely will pick with his head over his heart. And so, I think even if if Texas has a special place for him, if he doesn't feel that's best for his career, that's not where he's going to go. Yeah, I mean, just just academics really aren't like for anybody that's worried about oh, you know, Texas is better at this. It's it's about football. It's a hundred percent about football. And I mean, it's a guy that's got you know stuff on tape, and and you know, I talked to some people around close to him. That said, his main focus is putting thing on putting things on tape against better competition because he was about. I think he was given a fourth round draft grade. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about that, um, but he said he was given a fourth round draft grade, and he wants to try and uh, build that up by basically just putting more on tape against better competition. Guys, let me go ahead and tell you how good Kerry sources are on this. Calvin literally said that to me word for word yesterday. Really? Uh, yeah. Off the camera. He he goes, yeah, I had a grade that was fourth to fourth, you know, mid-fourth round, that kind of thing. And they said the knock was I just did, I needed competition against better players on tape. That, that, was my, that was the knock they all had on me. They said, you show great stuff, great potential. We can't see you against real competition. See? And so – Still got sources. And so – Bravo, Kerry. Bravo, Kerry Sources. Really well done. That, Like I said, directly from Calvin's mouth yesterday off camera. It's interesting. I, Bill Biedembo, if he could, if he can wrap this one up, I mean, you might be getting close to recruiter of the year type stuff. I know that I think Rivals already put theirs out, but yeah. it, I mean, if you could pull in Calvin Anderson to Problem go along is, with... The, he was going up against Georgia, who signed pretty much every offensive lineman on oh, the planet. Yeah. yeah, that's true. They were unbelievable. Georgia had an unbelievable year. I told him yesterday when Calvin and I were talking, like, you're basically a unicorn. A starting left tackle with an NFL draft grade just gets to plug into your offensive lineman. That that doesn't happen. Yeah. That never happens. That's like like a quarterback. That'd be like all of a sudden Baker 
Baker Mayfield's on the market as a as a grad transfer, like his senior year. That that's never going to happen. That's insane. And he, you know, he just kind of chuckled. But it's like, and you know, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, Oklahoma has been very upfront with him. You come in, you're, you're going to, you know, now, you know, and they obviously they're going to make him compete. But the ex- expectation is going to be for him to come in, start at left tackle, and Bobby will stay at the right. But I also thought it was interesting that they told him. If he doesn't come, Bobby's going to move to the left. I mean, that's yeah. clearly becoming what Oklahoma's thinking right now. Uh, all right, so when do we expect the decision there? He was really vague about that. Everything else, Calvin, seemed like he really knew. He, he kept telling me he wants to come home and decompress from the visit and kind of see how he feels after a little time has passed. I will say, talking to him, this is Calvin's decision. I mean, like I don't. He, he's got a girlfriend – that's a big part of his relationship. I don't think she's going to have any say. I definitely don't think his dad is. I mean, like, obviously, he'll he'll ask for some input, but at the end of the day, it's whatever Calvin thinks is best is what he's going to do. So I don't think you have to worry about anybody. You know, this is not an uncle situation where somebody's going to get involved that shouldn't be or that kind of thing. This is just going to come down to whatever he feels like is best. Just gauging his, you know, just where he was kind of at – I bet he takes a week, maybe 10 days, something like that. And then maybe maybe this time next week we know what he's going to do. Maybe he sits out you know, this coming weekend and really sits down and kind of knocks it all out. But I don't think this is going to be something where the spring game OU still doesn't know what's going on. I think he knows he needs to make a decision. But at the same time, none of these schools have to push him. I mean, they either have room for him or they don't. And I think that's kind of where things stand. All right, talking about players going to the NFL – uh, Baker Mayfield we mentioned earlier he was back in town, and it was it was odd. I mean that he he said it, and I guess I knew it the whole time. But he stayed out in L.A. after the Rose Bowl, uh, got a, a training. He kind of did it backwards. He got a marketing department, then he got an agent, and then he got a trainer. Uh, so he's working out at uh, Pro Performance USA or something like that. Yeah, he's working at the, I think he said the one that is North, North LA, the North yeah. LA, and then uh, Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown. I, I guess I hadn't even put two and two together, but they're at the one in the South South LA. Is it Mark and Oboe? Uh, Mark and Orlando. Orlando, okay. Uh, so here's Baker Mayfield yesterday just kind of talking about what life has been like for him uh, last month and a half. It's been a... Uh crazy journey hasn't stopped this is the first time i've been back to norman actually so um since the senior bowl i've been training hard uh getting ready for for the combine um setting up my schedule for interviews and whatnot uh going forward after pro day and it's just been uh you know scheduling it's a it's a long process a waiting game that um you know you guys know me i'd rather play ball so i'm excited to to get through this process and get back to it so yeah i mean eddie tell me if i'm wrong here i kind of got a sense like Baker is trying to be extra, like there's not a lot of uh, uh, banter with him. Like he is making sure that he minds his p's and q's, and oh, I think a little bit have any missteps in the media or anything like that. Yeah, I say that though, and he completely just talked shit on Texas for thirty seconds oh, after Brian he? Davis. Did he? Did he do this? And as being the only person from the Austin media here, why do you give Texas the business? Well, why do you go after Keandre Coburn on Twitter? You have to. You come to Oklahoma to beat Texas. I was born and raised in Austin. They didn't recruit me. I grew up 15 miles from their campus. I can't stand them. And anything they do, I don't care. 
you know, talk to the NFL guys. They, they say I have to calm it down a little bit. But when it comes to Texas, absolutely not. I can't stand them. That, no, just in a story. And see, to me, that's the, that's the battle that he's fighting with these NFL people that have never met him before, haven't sat down with him, is they think cocky, arrogant, uh, shithead. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a problem, thinks he knows everything, all of that stuff. And that's what he's going to be battling. I mean, more than anything, look, not every team is going to invest in a quarterback that's going to be taken as high as he is. There's only a, a, a little more than a handful of teams. But I think once he gets to the combine, and let's face it, you can you can read nothing against Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay, but like, why would there like draft boards have no reason to be changing right now? Like people moving up and down <laughs> for clicks. I mean, for clicks, yeah. I mean, you've had the Senior Bowl. Uh, now you're going to have the Combine. So between now and then, you're really just in limbo. Right. Like I don't care. Like I saw something the other day. Uh, Baker Mayfield. It was a clickbait article. Baker Mayfield has moved up Mel Kiper's draft board. Well, how the hell did he do that? Because <laughs> Mel woke up and was like, "I need more clicks today." <laughs> so God, he's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I like Todd McShay, though. I think I, I like Todd McShay. He does a good job. Uh, I like Todd Luganbill. You're saying that to hurt me, aren't you? What, you the, know I hate Todd McShay. I didn't. I, I guess I did know that, but I just forgot. And yes, I, I said it to hurt you. Um, that hurts. Well, it, it works, Gary. Who do it you works. like? I love uh, Mike Mayock's my guy. Yeah, I, li- I, yeah. I really like the NFL Network group. I like Daniel Jeremiah a lot. Billy Brooks. I, I like Mike Mayock. Um, and then I like some guys that don't really have that venue. Like there are some guys that are, you know, um, that run their own sites and stuff like that. There's a guy, actually a, a young guy that I think still a Texas Tech student. His name's Jonah Tulse on on Twitter. That dude, like he'll watch. And really, when I start with guys like that, it's them breaking down OU guys, and I'll go and read, and I kind of get my my feeling from what they have to say about an OU guy. I think he's incredibly sharp. I mean, like he's a guy that'll go far in all this. Um, Who's the smart yeah, football guy? Chris Brown or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you're talking. Chris about. Brown's really good. Yeah, I like the stuff Cole Kubelik does too. I do too. I, he he kind of loves Drew Samia more than I do, but other than that, we're we're you know we're, we're on pretty good terms. So yeah, I mean Baker's basically just in a. He looks good. I mean, he looks like he's actually dropped maybe a little weight. Um, but I mean, yeah, I thought it was strange or not strange, but interesting, Eddie, that one of the things he mentioned yesterday was arm strength is what he's working on. Yeah. And I guess that's, I guess that is that a knock that is coming out on him after the senior bowl? I I don't know. I I haven't really, I mean, because I don't think anybody was talking about his, I mean, look, he doesn't have, I've, I've said this before we've talked about, I've seen guys that throw the ball with more velocity than him. Landry Jones threw the ball with more velocity. Uh, but I think that Baker's probably at the peak of his velocity throwing a football. That's that's probably one of those Baker Mayfield things too. That like he read it somewhere. He read it because I mean, sorry Baker, but if you're throwing the ball next to Josh Allen, you're gonna have a velocity yeah. problem. But but he has an accuracy problem compared. <laughs> to you. Yeah, I'd rather have I'd rather have the velocity problem than the accuracy problem. I mean, Peyton Manning didn't have great velocity. No, I I don't know. I I think that's probably just one of those things that you know, as a perfectionist, he just wants to go in and prove everybody wrong. You know what? His his arm strength reminds me a lot of watching Tom Brady because Tom Brady can throw the football really well. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for Tom Brady to throw a football through a door. 
it's not really his thing. As far as like accuracy? No, no, no. Just velocity wise. Just like holy shit, that guy really throws the football hard. Yeah. No, I mean, don't you know? Brady's not. Well, no, I'll go. God, it's really funny to say this, and it's Tom Brady's not Ryan Mallett, but um, <laughs> you know. But no, I mean, but I would say for most of his career, he's been at least upper half of a league um, as far as. But I'm saying that's strength. no, I'm saying that's good. I mean, he's got good yeah, velocity. No, no. Like, yeah, it's good, but, not great. But yeah, it, it's 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 not it's not like Roethlisberger. What's so funny is you'll talk to people and. They'll, I mean, really smart football people will tell you there's nothing more overrated in a quarterback evaluation than arm strength. Yeah. And then this time of year, people start talking about arm strength. And it feels like such a smokescreen to me. It feels like something Denver's putting out there so nobody above them falls in love with Baker Mayfield or the Jets are putting out there so they, you know, like, yeah. there's so much gamesmanship going on right now that has nothing to do with how a team really feels about a player. And I mean, I've like I I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes. But I've seen a lot of quarterbacks. I've never watched Baker Mayfield throw around the football and think to myself, you know, he really doesn't throw the ball very hard. Like he has more than adequate arm strength. Oh, there's some throws that he made just in the Senior Bowl practice that I remember watching. You know, during the NFL Network's coverage, was a couple balls over the middle that is like that's an NFL throw. I remember Mike Mayock saying it. He had a couple of throws in what game was it? It was the night game. It was the was it TCU? Yeah. Might have been the TCU home game. Is that when he hit Calcaterra down the middle? Yeah. For the touchdown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the best throw Baker's or, ever made. Like and and then he hit Anderson a little later on that one up the sideline that may have been even better. Like Yeah, that was against TCU. I was he, trying to think is that He TCU made some tech? throws that were just unbelievable that night. Um but no, to me if you're looking at this draft and don't get me wrong, part of it is we see Baker, we've seen every throw Baker has ever made. We can't say that of, you know, Josh Allen or Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Like, none of that's going to be the case. But I've seen enough of those guys. The only one I would consider taking above Baker is Josh Rosen. He's the only one. Because he can just do stuff that is just unbelievable. And Darnold has a real problem with turnovers. And Josh Allen, you don't know where it's going half the time. Um, it, it's like he's like he's like Charlie Sheen in in uh, Major League. Like if it hits the target, it's going to be wildly effective. But if it doesn't, he could kill someone. A little wild thing. All right. Yep. Josh, it's me and you. Carrie had to uh, step out for a minute. Uh, I will. Woo! I will throw this out there. Uh, I've been doing some research on the presidents, and I want to read this to you. Okay. As badass as uh, President Ulysses Grant was, he was kind of a prude. Uh, he, even though he uh, expected his men to fight and die for him, and I'm reading this, so I'm not making all this up. Okay. He refused to take to shower in front of him, which is kind of weird to me. I mean, I, I'm a big communal shower guy, so I don't think that it's that big of a deal. Uh, but he did not want to see his uh, have his men see him naked while he was at war uh, during the Civil War. Kind of weird. See, I, I'm I'm anti-communal shower. I was actually at the gym not long before we started recording, and there was a very large grown man just letting his stuff dangle. I'm like, dude, I, I don't I don't need any of that in my life. There's some sort of break point at the gym when like it's like 50 or 55 when all of a sudden it becomes okay to just air dry all the time. When you and just like, say screw it, you yep, have no. You just stop caring. You know what though? I, I will say the only place that I've taken community showers uh that i can remember 
It was probably at the fraternity house. So it was a little bit different just than that. It was a very casual atmosphere. I don't think that you you need to be taking showers at a gym. Unless you're like, yeah. I, I've always been weirded out by that. Like, you could just it, drive home and take a shower. Exactly. I live 10 minutes from my house. I can wait. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll come home and take a shower. But to continue, Eddie, because I'm with you on our President's Day facts, uh, and to continue with the President nudity, John Quincy Adams, our sixth president for our history buffs out there, regularly skinny dipped in the Potomac. Adams was known for his early morning dips in D.C.'s main waterway, always in the nude. That reminds me of a Seinfeld episode when uh, Kramer is, is swimming out in the uh, uh, the East River, I think it is, up in New York. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, Josh, you just put this up. Uh, I guess we'll get back to recruiting. Uh, you just put this up in the Monday notes, uh, talking with Jalen Robinson. Uh, that was kind of a visit that kind of took a back seat to all the, uh, you know, with the commitment news of, of Corey Robertson. Uh, obviously, the grad transfer, uh, Calvin Anderson kind of took the lead in the offensive lineman department. But what can you say about Jalen Robinson, uh, the guy, the uh, player out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas, kind of a really a, a weird situation just in the fact that uh, nobody knew about him. Uh, I guess maybe a month ago, and now he is still uncommitted and uh, kind of an interesting angle going into uh, to a, a late edition possibility for Oklahoma in their 2018 class. Seriously, Eddie, how often is the guy that could be the last addition to an, a pretty much completed recruiting class the third biggest story of the weekend in recruiting? Like, that does not Very happen strange. ever. Very yeah, strange. So, with, with Jalen, though, had a chance to talk with him a little bit. Um, you know, and like we, we mentioned it in the notes thread, it sounds like he's going to get a verdict here in the next 48 to 72 hours as far as what Oklahoma is thinking with an offer for him. He came down with his dad this weekend, just said he loved the trip, loved everything about it. And I think if Oklahoma chooses to offer him, he'll probably sign pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a lot more he needs to see. I think Nebraska is obviously trying to recruit him. There, there's some other schools out there. But Oklahoma has a spot for him and, you know, is clearly the premier program that is involved in his recruitment right now. So let, I let think me, he's waiting to see. Let me ask you, and I think this is only the the natural uh, question that a lot of people out there will have. Is he connected to Calvin Anderson? If Oklahoma were to strike out with Calvin Anderson, does that automatically uh, make you think that they would offer Jalen Robinson or are they not even connected at all? From what I'm told, there is no connection that, that, that Oklahoma, if they choose to take Jalen Robinson, it is just because they like Jalen Robinson. I, I don't think it's a matter of, well, we lost that on Calvin, we'll go get Jalen now. I don't, I don't think there's any connection between the two. Jalen's probably a guard for Oklahoma. Calvin's obviously a tackle, and Jalen will certainly redshirt next year if he were to end up at Oklahoma, and Calvin will be your starting left tackle. So, I mean, that's, that's the way that's going to go, but... I will say, I think the question for Oklahoma really is, is taking Jalen Robinson in 2018, is he a better option than someone they could land in 2019? Mm-hmm. And that, that's really what it comes down to. And I know some people are going to, like, instantly, well, who is this kid from Lawrence, Kansas, that doesn't have many offers? How can he be better than some of the guys Bill Beatonbow could land in 2019? And I understand it. But go watch Jalen Robinson's tape. That is a big guy that can move his feet. I don't know how in the hell... Two weeks before signing day, a guy like that was headed to Butler. Other than what I've always heard about Kansas high schools, and that is they do a poor job promoting their guys generally, and that's why the Kansas JUCOs are always so freaking good 
because there's kids that should have gone to places like Oklahoma and Nebraska that no one else knew about. Now, to me, what's embarrassing, how did Kansas let this happen? Yeah. In Lawrence, Kansas, you didn't, with all the problems your program has, you didn't know about this kid that Oklahoma is considering offering? Like, that's that's a monumental screw up. That'd be like, I don't know if if Ohio State, uh, USC, and Alabama offered a quarterback from Norman High. Like it, that's that's just unthinkably stupid. It it it's really strange, and and I, I think this could kind of be a nice little segue into something that I want to bring up with you, Josh, is the fact that. Uh, and I saw you talking a little bit about it over the weekend, and it kind of goes into Kansas high school bat or Kansas high school football players and not getting promoted. Oklahoma has seen a rise, and I think maybe I don't want to say like the national perspective about Oklahoma athletes, but you know, for instance, the the 2020 class in Oklahoma is starting to get a lot of recognition. Obviously, uh, JV and Hester from Booker T picked up an Oklahoma offer from over the weekend. Andrew Rames already committed. Uh, have you? Just kind of take us on that exploration just as far as it, it seems like a lot more people are, are paying attention to the talent in state. And I, and how much does that have to do with maybe just people opening their eyes a little bit more or coaches going out and doing a lot more? I don't want to say politicking, but going out and doing a lot more uh, advocating for their guys and maybe doing things that they hadn't been in, in recent years. Or is it just a matter of fact that there's a lot more talent in the state than there used to be? I, I think it's, you know, and God, I'm such a bad hedger on questions like this. I think there is some truth in both sentiments. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma high school coaches are doing a better job than ever before in making sure guys get seen, guys get their name out there, you know, and and obviously it's also easier now with yeah, Huddle. Absolutely. You know, they don't have to, a school doesn't have to go to Oklahoma City Southeast to see Gerald McCoy. They can just check his huddle tape and be like, holy crap, that guy's really good. We're going to offer him. So it, it's made it easier to some degree. But to kind of put it in perspective, and I'm not sure everybody will be able to process these numbers, in 2006, which to me is still the gold standard for Oklahoma high school classes, the group that had McCoy, Gresham, Sam Bradford, Dominique Franks, uh, you know, you go down the list, a ton of really, really good football players in, that st in the state of Oklahoma that particular year. Um, and you have um, 60 guys who picked up Division One offers that year. Now, not all of them signed. I would guess you're going to think it's going to end up being more like 50 that actually signed. Well, this year in 2019, which I think is a, is a down year in the state of Oklahoma, there are already 22 that have offers. That number will swell to probably 45 before it's all said and done because I can already tell you 10, 12 guys in state that it's crazy they don't have an offer yet. Yeah. But – if you look at that and it's 45 in what I think is a very mediocre year, roughly 15 years after what I think was the best year ever in the state of Oklahoma, it, it says a lot about how things have changed and how things have grown because now Oklahoma has become a must-stop. Look at Millwood, Eddie. They sent out that uh, that um, graphic the other day. Oh, they have all that the was unbelievable. Georgia, Arkansas, Oklahoma. You know, I mean, and you're not just talking about guys that recruit the region. Ohio State came through. I mean, they're – there are big-time programs that make a point to come to Oklahoma because, sure, there are not 30 guys in the state of Oklahoma that can help Ohio State. They know that. But there are three or four that are at least worth the look. 
And so I think you're going to see that more and more. And next year could be absolutely nuts because, like you mentioned, with Javian Hester, Andrew Rain, and I have found a whole bunch of other guys that really don't have a name yet that people are going to find out about. There is a lot of talent in the state of Oklahoma for 2020. It's got a chance to be one of those years where there are four, five, six guys that are in that top 150 in the country conversation. What awesomeness did I miss? I had to go do a radio hit for Kansas City. We talked about some. Ed, uh, we talked about some presidential Eddie and I made facts some racial about jokes. Um, <laughs> there was some profanity. Were there any f bombs that I have to go back and fix? There weren't. No. They were good. We no, were good. No profanity. Yeah. We minded well. We You're minded not lying well. To me. No. Not. We uh, we did some some presidential sex facts and it was good. Mm-hmm. Don't nice make recruiting me recruiting uh, talk. Don't make me rap report you. No, there was nothing going on. No shenanigans. You How are the folks but, at Kansas hey, City? To continue with the presidential facts and to you know cure Kerry's uh, ales, Andrew Jackson, seventh president, taught his parrot to curse. Taught the parrot, parrot had to, to be curse. removed from President Jackson's funeral because it wouldn't stop swearing. <laughs> he was a that racist. That is amazing. I'm gonna have to check this out on Snopes.com. See if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that thing that keeps circulating on Facebook all the time. Like, if somebody's robbing you at an ATM, if you dial, if you hit one, two, three, four, it will immediately call the police and take a photo of the scene. Like, oh, that's, really? That's not true at all. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> and it keeps circulating on Facebook all the time. Facebook is the land of fake news. I I don't know very many people that are still on Facebook. I'm not you know why? really on it very much at all. Old people ruined it. And not like to they, mention, like most things. after school shootings, it's the worst possible place to be at. Yeah, I could imagine. I oh, I can't imagine. I don't I don't even could. I can. I I it was funny the other day I was I I got an urge to watch the social network and it was so funny watching them talk about Facebook is cool, man. That's what it is right now. And you're like, "Wow, times have changed a lot in 7 or 8 years cuz it's not cool anymore." I mean, if I don't, if that's a 60 I have any presence is Tiffany posts pictures of our children all the time. And that's what it's for. I mean, that's, yep, that's really all what it is it, anymore. That's all my and timeline I, is. I go on Facebook and I, I look at all your pictures, but that's all yep. I do. I don't conv- – like all of my friends now, we pretty much just handle everything through text groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get text the man groups are the out best. Of, get the man out of the, the process. Text groups are, are good. By the way, I mean, like Facebook was like last valued at like $65 billion. What do you think it's really – like it legitimately the value of it – it's probably not even a billion. Zuckerberg, he ruined everything. You know, now we're gonna the have problem a bunch of, is, though, Carrie, We're going to have a bunch of Silicon Valley people screaming at us. No you know how many anyways. idiots, though, would be out there would pay a ton of money for that because there are still so... Because I guarantee you the people that do spend time on Facebook consume it at such a level that there are just monumental views and stickiness and the time they spend on there is monstrous i mean i guarantee all the arguments they want to have about whatever politicized thing is going on right now or how long they're going to stare at their grandkids pictures like whatever it may be that attracts the people that are there they are not the people that are you know page to page to page to page they are going to sit there and just stare at one thing forever yeah i go on there i'll I'll, i go on there about once a week and i'll scroll down and scroll down and eventually i'll hit a political argument or a gun argument and I'm just like, okay, that's my Facebook for a while. 
for the people out there, the very few of my friends and those sort of things, they know the rules. If I if you post politics, you are unfriended. I don't want any of your political shit. I don't want to see any of it. I, I people think like this is just something for the board. I I hate political discussion. Because literally the only thing it does is piss people off. Everybody just you, gets it, mad. Nobody ever is like, oh, that was a great point. I've exactly. totally changed my stance no real on how discourse. I feel about politics. You either agree with me or you're an asshole. Like, that, there's, no in, there's no in between. By the way, it's nice of us to dump on a product that we spend so much time. Sooner Scoop. You know, putting yeah, Sooner hey, Scoop join the Sooner on. Scoop Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, we, we would Facebook.com <laughs> slash Sooner Scoop. Just go join. <laughs> it really is. It's Facebook. Our page slash. is cool. You get some Zuckerberg videos. Zuckerberg hasn't ruined us. Yeah. Of course, he won't let anybody see our stuff anymore. They've changed the rules now to where unless you pay, nobody can see your crap. That's some bull. I like Twitter. I feel like it's more immediate in our reach. Like People connect with the things we do a lot faster. I'm just so ADD. Like I don't... When I... You know, drink and watch a game, and I bitch about the game. I don't want to keep bitching about it twenty four hours later, like that. No. Oh, people do though. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm done. I'm way past that. I'm just here for the edit wars. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got you. You good guys? I'm yeah, sorry I had I think to so. bolt off. I believe yeah, so. We, we talked so. Jalen Robinson. Uh, let's see, we covered basketball. Did we miss anything good? Eddie, baseball started. They committed 16 errors in four games over the weekend. Uh, they don't get any airtime. They didn't go one I mean, and three, did they? Yeah, they went one and three. They lost. Jeez. They beat Indiana on Friday. Really good game. Top 25 opponent. Uh, committed eight errors on Saturday. Two in the first game. Six in the second game. Uh, both both games they lost in uh, extra innings. Uh, Twelve innings to uh, South Alabama in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, then ten innings. Uh, to Coastal Carolina. Ayers lost them the weekend, pretty much. They're much better than they played. Uh, they'll be fine. Kyler Murray didn't play this weekend. I asked about that this morning, uh, why he didn't get in. It sounds like they just want to ease him into everything, just didn't want to throw him out there. So hmm. I still think he's going to be a big part of the team. Uh, just didn't play this weekend in the opening weekend. So. I guess if you it, like, if you aren't with the team year-round, like, and they just start the season and all of a sudden you get a hired gun out there, it's probably not good for the team. I think a little bit, and I think that it was kind of a little bit of a respect issue with Jacob Parker, a Juco kid that kind of, it sounds like, worked his ass off to yeah. get where he is. And he committed three errors on Sunday, so... Uh, I, I, now I, they can say, boom, yeah, it's like, your turn, Kyler. And if you're overreacting after the first, literally the first 72 hours of a 65-game baseball season... Uh, you have problems. Just continue bitching about Long Krugers. Find something else to do. I do not have any gymnastics updates. I'm sorry to say. Uh, they won. They're probably good. They, I, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I, not saying that. I think they won. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> it's uh, just safe to assume. Yeah. That's all that... Well, Patty's undefeated so far. No, they got beat this weekend. Really? By mm -hmm. Boston. Yep, Boston. Oh, I was following that for a little while. I just didn't follow up. They got beat by Boston. Again, though, Kerry, completely safe to assume in almost every other situation. Yeah. So. Well, Sounds like they, know, they somebody was saying assume. on the board that they uh, the flu has ravaged the team. Like half the team has the flu right now. Can we right just now. get past this damn flu? I, I, I haven't. I still haven't been sick. It's probably because I have a really strong immune system. You do. I mean, you you've driven you know cross country with me when I was I sick and not been affected. I don't get sick. 
I don't get sick. You're just jinxing yourself. I just that's what I put on my resume. <laughs> I don't need sick. Laney, why do you have a resume? Laney has happy? had the flu. Had <laughs> no, I don't have in. a resume. <laughs> <laughs> Laney has had the flu. Had to go in already for an. Uh, we had to go in on Friday for something else. A little, little skin rash she had, and she, the doctor still was like, "Yeah, go ahead and get the flu shot." So she got a flu shot after already having the flu. Like that's how bad it still is. It's like, is this ever going to go away? Good lord. Yeah, that sucks. We were at a freak, and well, and some of it is just asshole parents because we were at a kiddie birthday party, not this Saturday, but the one before it, and a kid comes in with a cough, and you're like, that kid's got the friggin' flu. Like, there's no way that cough is just like, oh, you've got something in his throat. Like, he sounds awful. I think, uh, George, and there's a hundred kids running around, and he's coughing everywhere. Are you getting ready to enter, like, the phase of, uh, of parenthood that, like, you actually have to start interacting with, like, other families? I've I've entered it. That or was like that my already? first thing. Okay. Like, it was a it was like a bouncy house birthday party and stuff. And Lainey is just like she's just getting out of her shell. Like so, she'll go play by herself and starting to do stuff like that. So it was fun. She liked it a lot. But there's these conversations you have to have, and you're like, I hate myself for talking to you. I hate myself for having to have, have this conversation because really all we have in common is our kids, and I kind of don't like you other than that. So it's it's isn't that the just, good thing about living in existence. Houston though? Because if you lived like in Oklahoma City, all those conversations would be, "Hey, what about Marcus Stripling, man?" That see, there there is some fairness in that. There really is. Now the problem is here in Houston, everybody just knows that I'm a recruiting guy. Uh-huh. So their favorite team, I'm supposed to know what's going uh, on with yeah. LSU's defensive line recruiting, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and so, you know why we don't have a clue? Because it's a shitty school. Yeah, Ed Orgeron's running paid. you into the ground. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, bud. You just, just put your hand out and say ten dollars. Then you can go. <laughs> and you go call. And you've got me for a month. Then you go call Mike Scarborough and you get their questions answered. <laughs> and Mike will see none of that ten dollars. Hell Mike, no! You don't get shit. You think he'd give it to you? Hell no! Uh, you know he wouldn't. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial Forty. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to hear the 15 minutes when I wasn't here. It was it was good stuff. By the way, I had to listen to some dude from New York answer about four questions before they let me on. What was he talking about? Uh, Kirk Cousins. Oh, did they just do like a a roundtable type? Yeah, it's like the like the Hump Man's two minute drill. I hate the. What does he think about Kirk Cousins? Uh, New York Jets do not like Kirk Cousins. The New York Jets should be able should take anybody that well, wants that to play for. Well, that was the thing. Them. I was like, "Dude, you can't look down <laughs> you at Kirk Cousins. You're you're reporting on the Jets. You started Chad Pennington at one point. <laughs> I mean, who is Kirk there? Cousins? Would be the best quarterback you've had since Vinny Testaverde. He really would be. I think they just. I mean, they've they've got that same disease that the Browns and everybody else has, which is, oh, we'll get someone better through the draft. It's like a really ugly dude at a bar. Like Kirk Cousins that turns down. Kirk Some Cousins. ass. It's like, you can't be choosing what you get right now. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, hasn't he been franchised two years in a row by the Redskins now? I think that's right. I think that's right. The Jets have, will never have a quarterback that another team would franchise. Well, and he's obviously gone with uh, the move that they made with the Redskins. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I hope Baker doesn't end up there. Where, the Redskins? I mean, uh, the Jets? Yeah. Yeah. Really, if he can avoid the Jets and Cleveland, I think Baker can have a good career. Oh, Denver. Those two can destroy worlds. Yeah. 
Hopefully Josh Allen will end up at Cleveland. Denver or uh, oh, what was the other? Oh, New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans would be incredible for. Oh him. yeah. Um, I mean Sean Payton's a genius, so that that's that'd be beautiful. The what was oh um, no oh, damn it! I lost my whole train of thought. Never mind. Josh had nothing to add to that conversation. I am not uh, entirely sure when we'll podcast next. I've got the uh, L.A. club party, bachelor party coming up this weekend. What is that? Uh, Gay Biker's bachelor party in Oh, Los are you Angeles. going to L.A. this weekend? Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Man. Avenue? That's the big club, apparently. Avenue. Carry, bottle service carry. We are getting bottle oh, service. Oh, man. We, do you want me to tell you the story do they have any? This? Do they have any bottles left after this weekend? <laughs> That's. I mean, I hope they don't like jack up the rates because there's like a supply problem. They might be going down. They're like, we need to get people back out. Well, it's good. That's good that we're going this weekend instead of this last weekend. Where are you? Uh, where are you guys staying at out there? Should I say? Oh, I don't know. Should you not? Uh, you want to give us the general area? Hollywood like County, West, Hollywood, West Hollywood. West Hollywood. Okay. We're staying. Probably have some ideas. We're staying. I think maybe you've stayed there. It's not the Chateau Marmont, but it's around there. Yeah, it's probably it's probably it's uh, another one of the big ones. Okay. So uh, bottle yeah, service. So here was the deal. So Jared is Jared's the best man, and so he's arranging this. But he had to call Avenue and basically negotiate us out of a table fee. Which, like, they charge $5,000 just for the table. Yeah, I heard they were ridiculous this weekend. And then... $20,000. But what we had to do is we had to get we had to guarantee that we would get at least 5000 in bottle service. That can go quickly. But there's quickly. 14 people. Yeah, that, that, that can go. So I agree. Like, and we laid it all out for everybody. Because, like, me, I'm not, I'm not in the NFL. I can't live that life. Right. Like I can maybe spend five. I can I can splurge and go like five hundred bucks one night. And With that's fourteen people though. Into, you can get to five thousand rather quickly. Well, no, what I'm saying, yeah, but I mean five hundred dollars a bottle, ten bottles. I mean, but fourteen people aren't going to drink ten bottles. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> mm, I, mean, I assume Gabe has some large. We friends. did we did something along the same lines in Chicago, and it got up there pretty quickly. I was told today one of my biggest fears was alleviated in that Richie Incognito has decided not to go. Oh, that could be awesome. I think yeah, he's I a good guy. Yeah, could have ended up in the hospital. No, I think he's a good guy. Somebody else would have ended up in the hospital. You'd be in the not group. Not me. You'd be in the group. Oh. Somebody no, else. You're, yeah, you're, you're, on, you're on the inside, Carrie. You'd be totally safe. I don't know. Richie Incognito? Seems you don't like feel the, like there's a lot of aim seems in where, like he's, the kind where of, he's firing? Seems like he has a history of attacking his own. Oh, no. No, you're white. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, you better I'm, hope he doesn't I'm change plans. White and straight. I didn't go to Stanford. You You're good. You're good. <laughs> so yeah, we've been promised that there's one night of club life, and then the rest will be normal. But we got to find a place to watch the Thunder game Saturday. This oh, that's right. They play. Well, we, you know what you should do. Just fly up to, fly up to the Bay Area. I'm flying on coach. We're not. It's not like we got a private plane. You could get a private plane out there, though. Get a Not that far. Up. Not that far. Just go to the game. Eddie lives Make a that life happen. that none of us know about. I've only, I've never done that. But you have. have you guys been on a private plane? I have not. Never have. No. Like, I've been, like. 
Are we talking I, like I've prop? I've been on the one to the least level. Yeah. Like I've been on a little prop like playing like grandfather had. Yeah, I've never, years, never done that it. That doesn't count. Never done it. No, we used to have our, our Notre Dame site. Their photographer doubled as a pilot, so they would like charter planes. Yeah, they flew. Didn't they fly down here? They flew here to Norman in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's amazing. We just need somebody to get a pilot's license. I don't see myself getting a pilot's license anytime <laughs> soon. Well, my cousin is a pilot, you know what? though. I've always kind of dreamed of having like a small plane until that Roy Halliday thing happened. Yeah. But then when I saw all the stuff that was in Roy Halliday's system and what he was doing, how he was flying the plane, it made me feel better. Was he on drugs? Oh, God, yes. Really? Morphine. Oh, really? Everything. Like, Dang. And oh, he, was, he was he was, he was crop dusting batches. the ocean. Like, yeah, he that's... was, like, doing, th- like, I'm doing an up and down motion with my yeah, hand. That... Like, he was dive bombing the ocean. And finally, he didn't pull up in time. Might be a little harsh, but do that kind of stuff. Kind of deserve it. Yeah, Roy Halliday asked for it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he definitely asked for that. All right, uh, that will do it. I think we've uh, wasted enough of your time with sorry about, silliness. Sorry about Eric Cosmer. I saw that you were angry about uh, that. What are you going to do? I don't know that he's worth that much money. Not eight years. No. Not not a chance in hell. He's a worth good that much player, money. but he's not even like he's not like Mike Trout. No. No. I, he's. I'd have to look at the list, but I would be hard pressed to call him a top five first baseman in the game. Yeah. I, he's I, he did good things for us in Kansas City. I wish him well. Yeah, he, sure, he just, sure. No, he was a, everybody. He was, I mean, it was a clean, break. It was a clean break. Norman's own Lorenzo Kane did a great job for us, but he got a ridiculous yeah, contract too. But he he actually never really just he, he did all his work before the Royals went to the World Series that first time, and he did yeah. some good things in that first World Series that they lost to San Francisco. And then he really didn't do anything in the second World Series. He was Series just part of the world. rebuild. Yeah. He was he was a big part of the rebuild. He, I like that dude, though. Character. Married big character, a University yeah. of Oklahoma graduate. He lives in here, doesn't he? I, he did. Doesn't he live in... Uh, he bought Josh Heupel's old Yeah, house. I was going to say. Well, everybody's playing for second this year anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the rebound is this year. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo. Everybody's is. hungry. The captain's back. You Darvish? Come oh, on. Come on. He's going to say awesome. that with a lot of conviction. Like, Eddie, you know, if, if you would have went somewhere else, you'd be like, yeah, we don't really need him. It's fine. Yeah, but <laughs> he's, he's with the good guys now, so. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's he's a – you Darvish is one of those guys, that, like, if you have him, you want to think of the best he can be. And if you don't, you're like, yeah, but he got nuked for eight runs like four times last year. That's all right. Cubs will be averaging ten runs a game anyway, so it doesn't matter. By the way, That's- podcast update, we have discussed a guest situation, so – Next podcast, maybe joined by a special guest. We're working. Oh. We're working. Baker's already. He, we're not happy with Baker right now. I might have to just Did slide in his DMs. I slid into his DMs. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, if you you probably won't be listening to this before, but he's going to be on the hard line today at five thirty. Baker with the snake. If you know Baker and you're listening, tell him he's making a huge mistake by making an enemy out of the podcast. Seriously. Baker, we've sung your praises. Don't make it shame you. Last person to do that. We might know stuff. We might not, but we might know stuff. Last person to do that. We'll just put it out there. He was murdered. <laughs> Homicide. <laughs> they still don't know. They still think it was a suicide. We are that good. Yeah. They don't even know he's missing. <laughs> yeah. That's because 
I've always said if you're going to murder someone, it better be someone that's homeless and doesn't have a family. <laughs> oh my god! It's my one you rule. Always said that. Yeah, that's my basis. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end it on a high note, which is that note. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Joshua Christian. Thanks to Eddie Radosovich. Uh, we'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.